Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, AmSpa President and COO, Kathy Christensen, is in conversation with Paula Davis, founder of the Stress and Resilience Institute. Welcome to Medical Spa Insider. My name's Kathy Christensen. I'm the President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Med Spa Association, and I'm so excited to be welcoming our guest this week, um, Paula Davis. She is actually the founder of the Stress and Resilience Institute. And if you haven't heard about her or the Stress and Resilience Institute, um, it's probably high time you did. It's it's basically a, a group that studies the effect of stress and burnout on organizations and busy professionals and delivers cutting-edge programs designed to increase thriving at work, preventing burnout, and building resilience to stress. Um, the founder of that amazing organization is Paula Davis. I'm going to let her uh, tell us a little bit more about herself. But Paula, you are an incredible um you're an incredible professional who's gone from law training to training uh, in the Army and medical forces and now training, hopefully, medical aesthetic professionals at our Women in Aesthetic Leadership Conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I will tell you when I uh, first you know, decided I was going to go to law school and become a lawyer, I, I did not foresee that this was going to be my path. And so uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a very interesting professional journey, uh, but, but one that has been uh, really uh, very satisfying. So um, so as you teed up, I, I call myself jokingly a recovering lawyer. So I, I practiced law for seven years and then I actually um, burned out myself and I didn't know what it was at the time, which is weird for me to say now, uh, but I, I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that my stress was manifesting itself differently. I couldn't recover the way that I had before. I was irritated and cranky at people all the time, which is not my personality, uh, and I, I really, um, that really kicked the door open to a number of things. So uh, my burnout lasted about a year um, and toward the, the latter part, the latter stages of it, I was getting panic attacks on a regular basis. My anxiety was just through the roof. Uh, I ended up in the emergency room twice because I had really bad stomach aches. And so physically my stress was manifesting itself. Uh, but then also like psychologically too, I started to think, you know, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is there more for me than this? Should, uh, you know, my parents, my parents owned a business for 13 years. They've grown up in a very entrepreneurial world and knew I wanted that at some point in my professional career, um, but had kind of thought like, okay, when I'm in my fifties or my sixties, when I'm like kind of done with this law thing, I'll, I'll start a business of some sort. And really it was the universe saying, Nope, you're gonna do it now. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> so yeah. So that is um, that's really why. That's the big the big why um, for for why I started doing all of this. And well, and I have to say, you're you've really um, hit hit the nail on the head when it comes to providing this type of resource and assistance. Um, as we were kind of discussing prior to the call, now more than ever, it seems like stress, uh, burnout, um, you really everything kind of negative in regards to workload and personal load and issue. I, I feel like all of that has been um, 
exacerbated by the pandemic. I know that, you know, I'm seeing it on my team. I'm feeling it personally. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible and much needed resource. Are you finding that your services are in higher demand these days? <laughs> so it's interesting because I'm, I'm researching my, my next book right now. And so I went through, uh-huh. and I wanted to count like how many um, programs I've done because I needed to give some statistics to my, uh, to my publisher. And I was just curious. And so since 2020, so I, I counted the beginning of 2020. So right before we went into the pandemic, but then, you know, truly through the pandemic, I've given over 350 uh, workshops, presentations, keynotes, um, you know, talks about, about this. So, so, I mean, very clearly people have felt and continue to feel um, a sense of stress and a sense of burnout. And just, even if you're not feeling burned out, there's still this looming, this hanging sense of, ugh. it's just, it's almost languishing. Like, I, I don't know that I'm burned out, but I don't feel like I'm truly engaged. And is this middle air kind of like, Meh. all right, here we go again. It's Monday. You know, we're, we're going to do this thing, uh-huh. but I, you know, not, not like it's Monday morning and I'm jumping out of bed and I'm so excited to go to work. Uh, we're still, uh-huh. we're still missing that sentiment. And I, you know, the pandemic was so challenging for so many, for so many reasons. Uh, and then now we're, we're really entering this new world of work and trying to figure out like, what is it that really contributes to, you know, a sense of well being and a sense of stability and engagement and things for people. And so, you know, that's really where the conversation is heading. Yeah, no, I'm interested. Um, have you figured it out? <laughs> like, what can you, what can you tell us about, um, what the future holds when it comes to this feeling? Cause I think you're absolutely right. There is that, um, often that kind of lingering feeling of the other shoe is going to drop or, um, maybe you just can't get comfortable. I'm not sure if that's, um, just kind of a result of everything that everyone has been through over the past, you know, really, truly five, 10 years politically and um, kind of even I know personally when with everything that's going on, we got to really know who our allies were or who had aligned beliefs with what we believed and who didn't. And and that can cause some turmoil kind of in your life as well. So um, what do you foresee is kind of the future? Is, is this is this feeling going to go away, do you think? Or is there a way that that we can realign our expectations to be healthier and allow us to be happier in in this current kind of state of things this is this is such a great question and this is really i think where where i this is the space that i'm in right now trying to put the puzzle pieces together um yes to, to answer your question yes i think i've got you know and it's certainly not just me others uh right right a, a keen a keen paula save us <laughs> um have a <laughs> have a keen sense of, uh, you know, some of the big ingredients and how we need to start looking at this, because you're right. I mean, over the past few years, I mean, look at everything we've been through. I mean, there is the, obviously the pandemic, the big social justice issues. Um, there's uncertainty now about the economy, uh, the political landscape. I mean, there's nothing small has happened to us and it's just one after the other of these big things. And it's, we haven't really gotten a lot of a break from it. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. part of 
we're seeing. Um, but we also have to take a step back and start to look at how we've been talking about well-being and how we've been thinking about stress and how we've been looking at and talking about what burnout is. Uh, and that's so much of what I've done over the past few years is that education component because we've been pretty off base in terms of understanding and thinking about what, how we think about burnout and, and conflating it with just basic everyday stress. And, um, and, and really I, where I start to, where I start to see a lot of light bulbs and where I start to see, uh, you know, folks going, Oh, like this, this, now this is starting to make a little bit of sense is when I talk about, I call it my core six framework. So this is really, the framework, we'll talk about it at the conference for sure, um, but that has really inspired how I'm looking at, you know, what I'm talking about in my next book, that if we are ourselves feeling a sense of, of burnout, if we're seeing that on our teams, we have to really be asking ourselves, like, what is causing that? What are the causes? And so we haven't spent enough time in our world of work on those upstream sort of root causes of chronic stress mm -hmm. and burnout. We've been handing out a lot of um, basic, you know, kind of frontline level well-being and wellness type strategies, which are good and they're needed and we don't want to get rid of them. But we've been asking too much of these strategies or the wrong strategies for what we need in order to kind of deal with this problem because the core six are things like unmanageable workloads, uh, lack of recognition. I'm seeing a lot of unfairness in corporate politics in my world of work. It's I don't have enough flexibility or the type of flexibility or autonomy that I would really want to have in my world of work. My community, my sense of belonging is suffering. Um, and that was really hard for a lot of people during the pandemic and still a challenge as we try to balance those things in hybrid work. Uh, and then a sense of like values disconnect, especially now. Um, a lot of people have reassessed and rethought sort of the value proposition of work and what they uh, feel work should bring to them and what they want from their world of work. And in a lot of respects, organizations aren't really aren't really matching that or talking to people enough about, you know, sort of how to mesh those things. So, so when we start to dig into those root causes, then we can start to um, have the right conversation about dealing with these things. Hey everyone, let me take a quick second to share something really interesting for your business. Did you know that a staggering 74% of consumers shop on their phones while watching TV at night? That's like 7 out of 10 of your patients. But the real eye-opener here is that less than 1 out of 10 med spas actually sell their products online. Can you imagine the untapped potential of giving your patients the convenience to purchase treatments, services, or skincare right from the comfort of their own homes through your very own branded app? That's where RepeatMD comes in. RepeatMD is the fastest growing software in the medical aesthetics industry, and for good reason. RepeatMD is designed by e-commerce experts who have worked with renowned brands like Target, Nordstrom, and Neiman Marcus, and they'll build your practice its own mobile rewards and shopping app. Clients love RepeatMD, and patients love the experience RepeatMD provides. RepeatMD rewards patients for spending more, encourages them to come back more often, and helps them discover treatments they'll absolutely love. On top of that, your practice can sell memberships and offer 
financing for services all through your very own app designed and managed by the experts at RepeatMD. The bottom line is that RepeatMD enhances the entire patient experience while boosting your practice's revenue. They are game changers for your med spa. So what are you waiting for? Visit repeatmd.com forward slash amspa to book a quick product demonstration. And guess what? We'll have special pricing for medical spa insider listeners and you'll receive 50% off towards your first purchase. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Head over to repeatmd forward slash amspa today. Hey folks, it's Alex Tiersch, and this episode is brought to you from our friends at Boulevard, the first and only med spa client experience platform that includes seamless scheduling, client messaging, and payments that are elegant and reliable. Boulevard delivers everything you need to inject style and sophistication into every client interaction. Set the tone with online booking that matches your high-end brand aesthetic and improves the productivity of your staff and resources. Elevate and personalize services with HIPAA-compliant forms, digital charting, and detailed client profiles. And grow your aesthetic empire with automated marketing campaigns and powerful workflow integrations like Shopify, QuickBooks, Instagram, and so much more. And for a limited time, Boulevard is waving data migration and onboarding fees for AmSpa listeners. That's over $1,000 in savings to get you up and running. Don't wait. Click the link on our episode webpage to learn more or visit joinblvd.com slash AmSpa. That's joinblvd.com slash AmSpa. Thanks so much. So as a leader in an organization, how do you, is there an, an aspect of kind of healing yourself before you can start healing your team? Is there, what are, what's your, you know, your recommendation for those business people who have been really, um, and I always say, I actually say this at our, at our boot camps. I, I do a speech on EQ and leadership and I always say, you know, it's, I kind of cringe always when I hear the term boss girl or boss gal or, you know, that's just makes me just uncomfortable because I feel like there's nothing really cute about it. If you've been a boss and you've been in it for the last, (laughs) like the last three to five years, it's not cute at all. Like it's, you're dealing with people's lives and, and, you know, trying to make, make sure that you're adding to them or at least not contributing to the any ills that they're having in their lives. So what's your advice or or do you have any advice for those who are um, in leadership roles that are feeling kind of like they're having a hard time getting a breath? Yes, this is this is a really important question. And it's a very it's a very difficult question because there there aren't a lot of easy answers to it, but it is clearly a problem. I mean, the uh, I don't think a lot of people well, maybe maybe people do realize um, uh, but the burnout rates right now are as high as they were during their peak um, during the pandemic. And so, and it's ah. especially high for leaders right now, um, which is understandable uh-huh. because we've, we've put a lot of, we put a lot on leaders shoulders, um, especially, you know, even as we're coming out of the pandemic, but we're dealing with hybrid work models and new ways of working and now uh, generative AI models have, you know, stormed onto the scene. And uh, there's just, there's just a lot going on in our world of work and leaders haven't had really a breath at all. And most Mm -hmm. leaders I talk to will say, you know, my team, my team is suffering. My team is overloaded. My team has an unmanageable workload. So I'm, you know, I don't want to burden them and I don't want to keep perpetuating 
you know, the stress for them. So I'm taking on some of their piece also, and, you know, Mm -hmm. in addition to everything that they have. And so I think it's really important now is a really good moment for leaders to really be thinking about and, and modeling what boundaries look like, what good self-care practices Mm -hmm. look like. We're at a point where we can't just say like, oh, I'll catch up on my sleep this weekend, or, uh, you know, I'll schedule that vacation for two years from now, or we (laughs) we have to really be focused on and prioritizing some of those baseline um, pieces of the well-being puzzle for ourselves. Uh, so that's usually is I call it the basics. So we have to mm-hmm. start looking at the basics, but we also then I guess have to also take a look at um, our own workloads. Do I have to have a conversation with my boss perhaps about what a work a, a healthy workload is or how I can shift some things? Uh, there's this everything is urgent in this always on you know mentality in a lot of workplaces, and we have to start to figure out how to tackle that. Um, under our own mm-hmm. control, we can think about, am I or, am I organized? Am I prioritizing things correctly? Am I delegating things? Am I micromanaging? And we can start to look at some of those pieces of, you know, the puzzle too, that, um, you know, coaching is a great spot for, for some of those things. Um, but it's really, mm-hmm. really important for leaders to start to think about that, particularly for themselves, because there's interesting research, you know, looking at, the effects of, you know, when the leader is burned out, how does that impact a team? And, you know, some studies are showing that team members perceive their leader as less trustworthy uh, and other things when they think that their leader is overly stressed or burning out. And so there are downstream consequences for teams when the leader is the one who is really suffering. So, um, well, that's interesting because I was going to ask you about that because I, I know the instant feeling that people um, feel when they start saying, you know, I need to maybe step up, step, take a step back, figure out how I can prioritize and build those boundaries is work isn't going to get done or, or you know, I'm not going to meet the goals that I need to meet for a company. Is that true? Or is there some sort of um, actual kind of direct ROI benefit to to really finding these boundaries, both for the leader and for the team? Yeah, I think, you know, and I think it just depends on your organization and how your, you know, your work structure is set up and what you are measured or assessed against and evaluated on and things mm-hmm. like that. So there, there, there may be, you know, some not so great outcomes if you don't you know, meet numbers or, you know, meet your revenue or your, or however, however that is. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not sustainable to live in the other, in the other world. And so you have to figure out like what, where, where, what's my happy medium almost. And one of the places that I, um, one of the concepts that we'll talk about at the conference and one of the places that I always talk about with leaders, particularly when I'm coaching them one-on-one is this concept that I call detecting your icebergs. Um, Other phrases that I use to describe this are like your narratives or rules. And it's essentially what you say to yourself about how you think the world should operate. Um, It's our core values and beliefs about how we think the world should operate. And so a lot of times we're saying to ourselves, just simply because, you know, this is this, this is how I was raised, or this is, you know, Mm -hmm. what I learned from my friends or what I picked up in school or what I learned as a, you know, as a professional about how work should work. 
Um, you know, it's things like, you know, if, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. These little rules or phrases mm -hmm. sometimes that we have. Um, one of mine is taking a break as a sign of laziness. And that comes from uh -huh. my, my, own, my own family, quite honestly. I mean, I have, a, I have a lovely and wonderful family, but we are a group of high achievers. And I tell a story about how when I was working in my parent, my parents owned a plastic injection molding company. And I would work there in the summers to save money for college and just generally and what mm -hmm. have you, you know, it's really hot, you know, it's a factory. So it was really, really hot in the summer. And so I remember being about 10 minutes before my shift ending and I just needed to cool off. And so I found like this little remote corner of the warehouse in the factory and somehow my dad found me. I don't know how, cause I was hiding behind boxes. And so <laughs> he came up to me and he said, he said, if you have time to sit, you have time to sweep. And he handed me a broom, you know, so reinforcing, <laughs> reinforcing the mentality that there, there is no downtime. If it's your shift, you're yeah. on working. And so I carry, the, I, I still carry that mentality with me to this day where I think about, I've got 20 minutes before I need to pick Lucy, my daughter up at school. Uh, maybe I could just like take a break and chill out on the couch and just close my eyes for a peaceful, like 15 minutes. Or then I think oh, I could answer mm -hmm. 10 more emails. And, um, <laughs> but I understand that narrative. Now we have to really dig into our own personal philosophies about what we think it means to be a good professional, a good mom, a good parent, a good partner to somebody and examine how, Oftentimes what we're saying to ourselves is just, it's too strict of a rule to allow us to be able to have long-term sustainability and meet the goals that we want. And so, um, you know, the first part of that is just recognizing that this concept exists and then understanding like, Ooh, yeah, this is, this is, this is how I'm sort of standing mm -hmm. in my own way when it comes to dealing with stress. And that helps tremendously to start to dismantle, not, not eradicate, but to understand and finesse some of those narratives. Mm -hmm. Well, and is it, do you think it's true that a lot of, not a lot of, but some of the stress that we are feeling right now is really starting to ask ourselves the hard questions. I mean, ever since, um, I hate to keep saying this, but ever since the pandemic, it seems like there has been an increased kind of focus on well-being or on your habits, like your relationship with alcohol, your, you know, whether you're giving yourself the ability to uh, make time for yourself. And just, I feel like all of that kind of helps you start doing exactly what you're saying, like recognizing your iceberg, dismantling kind of beliefs that may not actually hold true, but you've just kind of accepted them as truth because that's what you were raised on or that's what you were like i'm the same way like i uh, in fact i say at am spa we're a team of perfectionists which is wonderful and awful at the same time <laughs> but you know we're it's it, it, it would you say that that kind of start of of kind of introspection is a stressful process maybe initially it can be, and it's it can be a frustrating one, but I will tell you it's a necessary one, particularly if you're feeling uh -huh. a lot of stress and if you have, feel like you've crossed over into the line of burnout and you're wondering now, how do I recover from it? Uh, and this, this might be one of the counterintuitive pieces of the puzzle because we initially will say to someone who's recovering from burnout, like take a break or go for a walk or just exercise more or what have you. And those strategies, once we're in burnout, don't, I mean, they're not bad. I mean, it's, it's always good uh -huh. to be mindful of those things, but they're not, they're not deep enough. You're, you're sort of like bringing it's when I talk to a medical community, I often say it's, it's like, if I have a cough 
and I'm noticing a cough that won't go away. And so I go to Target or I go to the drugstore and I get some cough medicine and I take the cough medicine and it's still not helping me. And I finally, I go to the doctor and I'm diagnosed with pneumonia. Now I have something more uh-huh. serious that I have to treat. Um, that doesn't mean we get rid of cough medicine. Cough medicine serves a wonderful purpose for most people and it helps. But when you're dealing with something that's that's deeper, you have to think about it and treat it in a little bit of a different way. And so when I was recovering from burnout and now we've got some newer research supporting this is digging into those narratives. It's asking yourself, what are my values? It's asking yourself, does work really work for me? And is it, is, are the values that I find now that are really important? Cause they might've changed, you know, over the course of the past mm-hmm. few years, um, is my work matching that? Do I maybe need to consider it doesn't have to be something completely different. I would say for sure, I'm probably the exception to the rule, especially with the people who I've worked with in terms of just saying, oh, I'm going to stop my career and go completely in and in a pivot in a new direction. Um, it, but it, it it is starting to wrestle with those deeper layer things that is become sort of the door opening and the entry point to kind of figuring your way out of that, coupled, of course, with, you know, the workplace stuff that, it, you know, the core six pieces that we talked about, um, you know, there's a lot of mm-hmm. leader and workplace stuff that contributes to the burnout um, issue that we oftentimes, you know, just ignore and don't discuss, but purely from a, what can I do about it standpoint? That's really what, I mean, that's a, a big central core for, and I, I didn't get that until I really dug into those pieces for myself. And that's when I started to you know, feel a sense of recovery and, and just more clarity around what I wanted to do next. So can you tell me a little bit about how you can recognize the transition from just feeling stressed to actually becoming burnt out? What's what's the line that you cross or is there one? How do you recognize this isn't just a bad day? Yes, which is a phenomenal question because we don't get this conversation correct. And so we're all over the place sometimes about we label everything burnout when in reality, most of our stress isn't burnout. It's it's just mm-hmm. various layers of just stress. And so the first piece I would say is stress for us, stress for people can come from anywhere. It can come from a bad conversation with someone. It can come because I'm rushing to try and get home and I'm stopping at the grocery store and the lines are really long and I'm frustrated and I just want to get home. Um, it can, mm-hmm. uh, it can be, uh, you know, sitting in traffic, it can be, a, you know, a whole host of things. Um, but that burnout is really a specialized type of stress that has a workplace association or root to it. Uh, and so the world mm-hmm. health organization, when it updated its definition of burnout was very clear to make that distinction. So that's one thing I want people to think about. So if we're truly, we just come home after a bad day and we say, oh man, I'm so burned out. Um, when in reality, um, you know, burnout is really something that is associated with our world of work. Um, so that's one piece. The other piece that is really important for people to think about, and I oftentimes will tell people just, you know, use this as a little bit of a mini checklist. So there's three um, very specific dimensions or pieces to what burnout is. 
And the first one mm -hmm. is it's a sense of chronic physical and emotional exhaustion. So again, not just a bad day at work, not even a bad week or two at work where we're just tired and maybe we're working on something that's, you know, a big project and we know it'll be done at some point. Um, but it's more often than not, you just, your, your traditional coping strategies aren't working. Um, you're noticing just, gosh, I just can't muster up the energy like I used to used to have. So that's the first piece. Are you noticing mm -hmm. that? And a lot of people do. So it's just, it's that. But it's also then a sense of chronic cynicism. So I'm frustrated at people. They irritate me. They annoy me. My patients are not, are now bugging me. You know, it's like I used to, I loved mm -hmm. doing this work and now um, I'm annoyed coming into the office because people are asking me a, a bunch of questions and that's, you know, that's, that's what your work is essentially. And so Mm -hmm. That lost enthusiasm and frustration, cynicism piece is a big one. And then the third um, component is a sense of what the research calls inefficacy. It's, it's, I think about it as a why bother, who cares, where you start to think like, well, it doesn't matter what I do anyways, because like nothing's going to change, or this is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. Or um, that frustration leads you to thinking like, am I really having an impact in what I'm doing? And when I start to think like, maybe not or questioning it, or maybe it should be something else. That's really kind of the result of the other two pieces. So those three pieces of the puzzle are really the ones that you want to be paying attention to, right? So you could, you might say, yeah, people, you know, people were annoying to me a couple of days last week and, you know, not a big deal. And now I feel like more, more like myself. If you're sitting there thinking, yeah, people have been frustrating me now for, for the last, like, Mm -hmm. three or four months or longer. Uh, and that's what mm -hmm. we mean by chronic more often than not over a period of time. Um, mm -hmm. Then that's something to, to think about and consider. So when you experienced that and you kind of, you know, like you said, took a step back and then ultimately made a very life-changing decision on kind of your future path and, and all of that, that's one way to do it. And like you said earlier in the interview, that's not probably the common way no. to, to uh, handle burnout. What is what's what do you do when you recognize that? What's what's the way to maybe do that? And, and you aren't ready to necessarily call it a day on your current career or whatever it is that's kind of causing you to do that. What's what are possible um, next steps in order to kind of decompress um, and figure out whether the path you're on is the path you should stay on. Sure. This is, again, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And I wish there was a one size fits all approach that I could give folks for this, but there's not. And so these are some of the things that I think become important. So at the end of the day, if you are realizing that this is where you've landed and you're, you're now feeling this sense of burnout and something's got to shift or something's got to happen, um, a conversation needs to be had on some level with somebody like you've, you've got to eventually say something about what's going on because there's so much workplace aspect to this that it's going to be hard for you to dig out from it without having a conversation with somebody in, in your world of work, you know, whether and, and that's hard when you're the owner of the business, um, you know, and the conversation may end up being with yourself, but but you have to look at uh, a couple of things. So. One of the things that I ask people to think about is um, make a list of all of your job demands. So those are the things that take consistent effort and energy about your work. I'm in meetings all the time. I got emails I got to answer. I've got, you know, 25 patients I got to see today. And like just the just it's not a bad thing. It's just the things that take consistent effort and energy about your work. That's one piece. 
The other side of it is then to think about what are my resources at work? So what are the motivational and energy giving aspects of my work? I have a really great team. It's phenomenal. The people who I work with really lift me up. I get really great feedback and reviews from my patients after a procedure uh, and they write wonderful glowing reviews on my website. I mean, it's those types of things. And oftentimes the lists don't have to be equal, but we need enough of those motivational and energy giving aspects of our work to essentially take the sting out of the stress caused by the demand side. Most of the time we're just Mm -hmm. not getting enough diet of resources. And so we have to start to think about what do I need? Do I need to add one more person to my team? Do I need to charge more and take fewer patients? Do I need, you know, you got to start having those types of conversations around what is the structure of this start to look like? Or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I haven't talked to my friends in seven months. And so I need to reprioritize um, that community and relationship piece because I'm not getting enough of that resource. So you have to have some of that internal sleuthing um, so that you can then um, examine then what what are the aspects of my work that I need to to talk about? Like I've had a crushing workload perhaps for the last year and it's really starting to get to me. And so maybe you don't walk into you know, a boss or to somebody and say like, I'm burned out, but you might say, look, I'm experiencing really some significant effects from the fact that I, I'm treading water and sinking half of the time because I have too much on my plate. Then that becomes a, a something that a leader can potentially help you with. So to the extent that you can mm-hmm. be as clear as possible and as intentional as possible in terms of identifying what's the issue, like what's the thing or the things that are perhaps uh, sprouting some of the the stress and the burnout, then you're giving somebody uh, more specificity in terms of helping. Because if I just walk mm-hmm. into you know, my boss's office and say like, man, I'm tired. I'm burned out. He or she will say, yeah, me too. You know, like just take Friday off and it'll be fine. And, and that is a, that is, we know from the research, also a temporary fix and a bandaid if you're truly burning out. And so, Mm -hmm. so that's where I always have people start is to kind of think about those pieces so that you can have an intentional conversation and just see what it is. Um, you know, are you mm-hmm. at a point where you're starting to experience maybe more significant mental health or well-being consequences such that you might need a sabbatical, for example, if your organization offers it, or you might need to be passed to a therapist or to another mental health professional who can help you with that piece of the puzzle while your leader helps you with the workplace side of things. And so mm-hmm. it all just depends on what people are feeling and experiencing Um, But it starts with some of that internal kind of figuring out stuff. Mm -hmm. So what would you say as a a leader, how do you kind of support this journey that your team potentially is going on or support the kind of self-introspection that needs to take place to make sure that your employees stay healthy and ultimately, you know, in our industry that none of that is being passed on to patients, you know, none of that stress that they're feeling, if it's just stress or if it's truly burnout, what do you do as a leader to make sure you're not kind of, you know, sharing that lovely feeling with your patients who are coming to you, um, not necessarily for relaxation, but, you know, as a provider for a solution to a problem that they're having, which is a pretty intimate relationship. It's a very intimate relationship. And so you, you like, so that cynicism piece in particular, right? If I'm frustrated, 
by work. And I'm now getting annoyed by the people who I felt called to serve my patients. Uh, you, you don't want them to pick up on that and to perceive that. And, and in, in all honesty too, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of research tying like the effects of burnout to increased rates of medical errors, um, patient safety issues. And so you might not be necessarily on that end of the spectrum, but you're doing injectables and fillers and things that, you know, if something went wrong, there could be a, you know, a medical consequence to that. And so you don't, mm-hmm. you don't want to have the stress and the burnout send you into an area where now you might have some sort of, uh, you know, a true medical or malpractice consequence, for example. Um, and so I mm-hmm. think what becomes really important, and it's still something I I think we're just we just don't do enough for a whole host of reasons. I think when it comes to our teams, we have to really start to con- like normalize the conversation around stress. We have to take time together as a team to just to just talk about like the, these are some of my sources of stress. This is what I'm seeing. Leaders need to model this conversation. They need to say, you know, last year I went through a really tough time and I was stressed and here's how I handled it or I went through a particular challenge and here's how I overcame it. You don't have to tell your deepest, darkest secrets and you can, you can make it a professional example. Um, You know, here was a patient that I treated and it, you know, I was stressed and it didn't, you know, go the way that I thought. And here's, you know, the challenge and here's how I overcame it. But on some level, we just have to be opening the door to more conversation around, the fact that we're likely all feeling some, not not that that we're all burned out, but we're all dealing with something. We're all dealing with stress. We're all dealing with frustration. We're all dealing with, um, you know, challenging things. And the more we make it normal to talk about that, it defeats that mentality that we oftentimes have where I must be the only one, or it must just be me or what's wrong with me. Like Mm -hmm. everyone else looks fine and there's something wrong that I like, I can't hack it. And so, um, then we internalize it and then that doesn't help the issue at all. And so I think trying to have those conversations and when we um, when we meet um, at the conference, I'll share a little quiz that I love to give folks. And it's helpful for um, themselves to just kind of think about, but it's also a great entry point for talking about stress and just you know, do I still feel productive? Am I feeling effective? We don't have to necessarily label it as stress. We can call it other things, but just to start to keep that conversation going so that people just don't feel weird or a stigma associated with bringing these topics up. Absolutely. Well, Paula, I am so excited to meet you in person and to see you at the Women in Aesthetic Leadership Conference. Um, you've uh, given us a lot of background and I'm excited to kind of learn from you and and take your quiz and really start to really take steps in the right direction. And I know I speak for our group as well. So um, just a reminder, the Women in Aesthetic Leadership Conference is taking place at the One Hotel in Miami, November 1st through the 3rd. And Paula will be joining us as well as a number of industry leaders and leaders in um, kind of the world of, of women, business, entrepreneur, leadership, issues uh, that we'll be covering include stress and burnout. Um, we'll be talking about management and leadership, um, all sorts of good things. So Paula, I appreciate your time so much today. Where can people um, continue to learn more um, about 
the Stress and Resilience Institute. And you, I was on, on your website and you have tons of excellent articles and resources on this very topic. Thank you so much, Kathy. Yes. So my, I would say my my website is the best place for people to go because it is a hub of resources. Whether you're looking for a free download, I've got an on-demand resource center. So a lot of free things there. Um, there's you know some little video clips that folks can download. Um, I've got my resilience in a minute, you know, different, uh, literally a minute, you know, teaching a skill or a framework for folks on the website. Um, like you said, there's articles, all sorts of things. So the website is stressandresilience.com. Um, so that's the best place. And then I am uh, do a lot of my thought leadership posting on LinkedIn. So connecting with me, um, Paula Davis on LinkedIn. All right. Well, thank you, Paula. I appreciate your time and all of your knowledge and look forward to seeing you in November at Walk. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you, Kathy. Me too. Thanks, Paula. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, MSPA President and COO Kathy Christensen was joined by Paula Davis, founder of the Stress and Resilience Institute. If you're new with us, click on the subscribe button, then receive new content when it happens, leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.